stone cold locks. Give me a hell yeah! Only one intro until I can prove I deserve two again. This right here is the culmination of the week. I work all week long hammering down these lines like nails on a train station. Or whatever people do with nails. Not a handyman. Stone Cold Box of the Week. Took a step back last week. Two and four record. Bound to happen. I'm not upset about it. But it does a lot of pressure on me this week because I'm okay with one bad week. That's going to happen. But one bad week can turn into two bad weeks. And that's when things can start to snowball. And I have experienced the snowballs before. And I want to know part of it. So I'm very curious to see how this one shakes out. Already behind the eight ball, too, with the Packers minus three. I confidently handed that one out as a lock yesterday. So I'm already 0-1 to start a week that I kind of need to get back into the win column so that I can feel good about where I'm at again. I have an incredible record against the spread this year. 44-23-2 on the season is still really good, but those things can average themselves out. If we don't get back into the win column. So this is as big a week as I've had in probably a month plus. Let's get to it. We'll start with a game that's on at 11 o'clock in the morning tomorrow. Navy plus 16 at UCF. At this point, I know what this looks like. Like I'm trying to troll UCF. Like I'm trying to get a rise out of people. I will remind UCF fans out there. I picked UCF against the spread, against Cincinnati, and against Memphis. I had Tulane as a lock last week against the Knights. That obviously did not work out. But this week, I have a feeling I'm going to be on the right side of things, fading UCF again. Navy is 5-0 and against the spread away from home this year. And why is that? Defense and a run game travels really, really well. And Navy has both. They're 25th in the nation against the run, and they pile up rush yards with their triple option style of football. So they match up really well with this Knights team. 11 a.m. start. UCF off of three huge games with a rivalry against UCF that's coming to an end on the horizon. Too many factors that lead me to believe that this is going to be a close game all throughout. Navy plus 16. Way too many points. Lock it up. Baylor plus two and a half at home against TCU. I have been lockstep with the Big 12 all year, and I'll keep it rolling right here. I was on TCU last week against Texas, seven and a half point underdogs. That was just straight disrespectful. And while they won and covered and all that stuff is great, I did. I do think they showed some vulnerabilities there, and I can see why some people were betting against TCU last week. Their offense had been scorching hot. 43 points per game entering last week. They only put up 17 against Texas, so their offense came to a screeching halt at a really bad time because now they have to go to Baylor, who's as defensively sound as anyone in the country, and I just don't see them winning this game. TCU has run through a gauntlet. They've been great, but they're hitting a wall right now, and now they go on the road for a second straight week against a team that loves to play spoiler every single year. Give me the Baylor Bears plus two and a half. Lock it up. UCLA plus two at home against USC. I'm just simply fading public perception here because the general thought is that USC is back. They've got a good quarterback. They've got a great coach in Lincoln Riley. They're the bigger football brand. 
But that also means that the line is unevenly skewed in their direction, and I want to take advantage of that. UCLA actually has a better quarterback in this matchup. Dorian Thompson-Robinson has played like a Heisman candidate this year, and their head coach, Chip Kelly, is a cover machine. I don't know what it is about coaches with the last name Kelly, but they're really good at covering spreads. Brian Kelly's the same way. Chip, 9-0-1 as an underdog of three points or less since he joined UCLA. Give me the Bruins in a close but high-scoring affair. Lock it up. Let's go to the NFL. I got three picks for you. Patriots minus three at home against the Jets. Let's do the math on this one, shall we? So New England went into New Jersey a couple weeks back, three-point favorites, and they beat the Jets 22-17. to Then the Jets welcomed in the Buffalo Bills and won. Both teams get a bye. And now the Patriots are at home against the same Jets team, and the number is still three. The Patriots are simply the better team. They're at home. I don't understand this line. It's too low. Belichick off a bye. He historically owns the Jets. New England is 13-0 the last 13 times they've gone up against the Jets. And the Jets have failed to cover the spread every single time they've played over those 13. Patriots minus three is the play here. Lock it up. You knew this was coming all week long. Tazi will definitely argue with me when I'm done with this. Eagles minus six and a half at the Indianapolis Colts. I could be totally stepping in it here, but I'm going to count on a strong bounce back from the Eagles and a team that is much better than what they displayed on Monday Night Football. They turned the ball over as much in that game as they had all year long. I am concerned about the production of Jonathan Taylor, the loss of Jordan Davis. That is not lost on me. The Eagles' defensive line might not be right now what it's been throughout the course of the season. I get all of that. But if they can bottle him up, even a little, the Colts have no chance to keep this close. Matt Ryan still sucks. Jeff Saturday's coaching his second NFL game ever. This is this is just one of those matchups. Right? I just have to take the better team here, no matter what the number is. I'm watching for this matchup, too. A.J. Brown versus Colts defensive backs. The Colts rank 29th in the league against opposing number one wide receivers. So if he gets going, they're going to cover with ease. Fly, Eagles, fly. Lock it up. Last one here. Biggest game of the week. Got to be on it. Cowboys minus one and a half at Minnesota. This one's really interesting. And I'll back the team coming off of a loss. little added motivation there for the Cowboys. A little extra edge in practice. I'll fade the Vikings, who just played one of the most emotional, hard-fought games of the year in Buffalo. I wish this game was in Dallas because Minnesota is really good at home. But I also don't need to worry about Kirk Cousins at 1 p.m. where he's lethal. I know it's only a three-hour difference, but that 425 kickoff is essentially a primetime spot. And Cousins always folds in these situations. Add to that, the Vikings are dealing with offensive line injuries. They have three banged-up offensive linemen. That is not a good thing when you have Micah Parsons coming off the edge. I'll take Dallas, minus one and a half. Lock it up. Those are my Stone Cold Locks of the Week. Well, you know you know where I'm coming after. It's, it's, <laughs> it's Eagles-Colts, and I kind of want to put this bet in myself. You're like, you're giving me six and a half points to work with against an Eagles team that, yeah, record-wise, they're definitely better. But, I mean, how healthy is A.J. Brown after last week? Dallas Goddard is one of the best outlet tight ends in the league. You know, obviously he's not Kelsey, but he's he's cut 
along the Kelsey cloth. He's, he's helping re- to convert third downs. Like I think he did, he does that kind of sort of like quiet tight end stuff throughout the quarter. I of wouldn't the game. even say he's quiet. He's had like two games over eight catches this year. He's gotten in the end zone a decent amount. He can get yards after a catch. Obviously, he got face masked and fumbled, which kind of crushed the Eagles last Monday night against Washington. But I think he's a huge outlet for Hertz, and they decide to throw the ball a lot. Eagles got to get back to running the ball. I think they've gotten a little mixed up in how they're doing things. So, no Goddard, who's huge part of what they do on offense. A potentially compromised A.J. Brown, who's on my fantasy team. I might have mushed him by acquiring him. <laughs> Jalen Hurts finally facing some adversity. Devontae Smith, can he save the day by himself, or will they get Miles Sanders going? That that will be a big part. I, I don't think the Eagles will have like trouble scoring points, but I just don't know if they'll be the juggernaut that they've been. And then, obviously, the run defense. And also, you're not accounting the fact that this is the... This is the return of the sun in in Jeff Saturday. This oh is goodness. this no, is gonna that, get emotional in Indy. Jim Irsay <laughs> is gonna have everybody all riled up. I am taking that into account. That's part of the reason the Eagles are on my locks list. Disrespecting. I I understand that, and you're a hundred percent right. I am disrespecting <laughs> him, and I plan on making money off of it. Um, you know, Minnesota, Dallas. That can go either way. I I got Minnesota, but I need Minnesota because I'm a Giant fan. Would would like Dallas to lose a game going into the Giants matchup with them against thing on Thanksgiving. Just feels like stock is at an all time high with Minnesota. Yeah, so I'll get off the train there. I'm not sure if I believe in Minnesota. I don't know what happened to Dallas against Green Bay. Like if they continue to play like that in Minnesota, it could get dicey. But that was in the cold outside at Lambeau versus a team, the exploding whale game. You know, with the Packers, they were due to have just a vintage performance, which they randomly got. And it was also only really one quarter. And without that fourth quarter, Dallas controlled that entire game. I mean, they did collapse, which sometimes there's a hangover, sometimes there's not. McCarthy, I don't know what to think of him as a coach. He's kind of got some lovable one-liners that we even use as a stinger for some of our segments. (laughs) But, you know, sometimes it gets a little ditzy. Minnesota knows what they want to do, but, like, they've been playing all these close games, and they... They hadn't really beaten anybody, in my opinion, until they finally beat what I think to be the best team in the league yeah. on the road. So that was like kind of a dynamic win and big the, time. The but also, catch. let's think of let's think about what it took for Minnesota to get this victory. Hey, I mean, every single thing had to go right. They got it. I'm not taking that win away from them, but what I am going to do is I'm now going to project what does that mean moving forward against Dallas. I how do I how do I analyze as far as predicting what you're going to do in your next game? Yeah, that the, the the Bills fumbled on the one yard line when they're just trying to get enough space to kneel the football to ice the game. How do I analyze the greatest? catch I've ever seen from a wide receiver on fourth and eighteen. It's Jefferson you know? things. This is that but like these things aren't repeatable week to week. Well with Jefferson you can't say they're not. You know, I mean I don't know about that catch itself. It's probably once in a lifetime, but his production, I don't like that he hasn't been practicing, but he's still been unbelievably great this year. Uh it's sort of a bonus spot for Minnesota. Like they'll be playing free and easy. They've won all these games in a row. If they yeah. lose Ain't nobody chasing him in that division. You know, Justin Fields and the Bears, well, he's been amazing. They've lost three in a row or whatever. Uh, the Packers ruined their momentum yesterday. And, you know, the Lions, hopefully they don't beat my Giants, but they're pretty far away too. So they can afford a loss. Uh, and this, But this is kind of a nice little barometer game for both teams. This could be a so. playoff matchup. Should be a good one. I I take the Vikings, but it's more wishful thinking maybe 
feels feels kind of fifty fifty as far as these other games. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, a smart better would probably just take the Patriots blind in the spot. The Jets still have to prove it. But if there's any batch of New York Jets and a head coach that could do it for the first time since I believe the Rex Ryan era, I feel like Salah's got these guys fired up. The defense is playing pretty well. Sauce is on another level. Uh, the confidence should be sky high after beating Buffalo like the Jets did. Zach Wilson, though, terrible against Belichick, and that is really the the scary part. I feel yeah. like maybe an under would be a fun thing to root for in this game. Maybe the Jets can even grind one out, but I don't expect them to really light up the scoreboard. Don't love the New England offense. Absolutely not, but I think you nailed it as far as picking games that you're that you're willing to lose with, which is part of the locks betting process. Right. The Jets are gonna have the, the Jets are gonna have to have that sort of breakout game where they finally, after years, Feels get that due. monkey off their back. They are I'm willing to sit there and lose money if they have that performance and finally are able to get it done. Because what I won't be able to stomach looking at this game is one that I like is staying away because the Jets are kind of fun, and then sitting there and the final score is Patriots 20, Jets 10, and I'm like, that was the most obvious bet of the week. Yeah, what is the theme of this Sunday going to be? I'm tempted to go with like a little Colts-Jets money line parlay, and (laughs) you know there'd be a lot of... A lot of emotion if both of those teams end up winning, I yeah. think. And, you know, it might not happen, but I'm, I I don't want to go against this Jets team right now. I'm either taking them or staying away is kind of my thing. And they do feel due to snap that horrible streak because I'm not in love with this New England team. However, that defense is good, and Zach Wilson scares me to death. So I, I can see where you're at on there. Yeah. The only one I'm vehemently against is the Colts. I think they can at least cover that six-and-a-half. Uh, Navy plus 16, I mean, it will probably know right away. Like, if UCF puts two on the board quickly, forget about it. It's going to be a long day for the Naval Academy, but right. uh, the midshipmen. But uh, if Well, it, the good thing there is that they're not going to change their approach even if they're down no. by 14, so they, they all they need to do is pop one in the end zone, and boom, we're right back in business. Yeah, but they they got to grind it. they got to keep it on the ground. And if, if you see, like, I don't, I don't like them playing from behind. It's got to be a slugfest. But the 11 a.m., that might be why UCF doesn't get going early, or it could be the exact reason they do. Like, Gus is like, hey, first quarter is going to be huge in this game. And I don't know, yeah. maybe I'm just thinking that way. But There's just so many factors that lead you to look at this game and go, UCF could come out flat. And if they come out flat, then Navy's going to cover with ease. And yeah. I think UCF wins the game. They'll find a way to win at the end. They're the better football team. They have way more talent than Navy does. But if you're ever going to come out flat, it's after three of your biggest games of the year. It's at 11 a.m., and it's against a team that you just don't even know how to game plan for. Well, you know exactly what they're going to do, and they're going to be deliberate. It's so different. You've got to be ready for it. Yeah, it's it's like facing a submarine reliever versus a standard pitcher sort of thing. It's a different left-handed approach, and I thought McKenzie was like, pretty spot on when he talked about ball control and the margin for errors and suddenly you find yourself in a dogfight in the second half where like the possessions shrink because they're taking time off the clock and running the ball so much so and the 11 a.m start obviously is a huge factor um I, I am a little worried how much like the area has been talking about the potential cotton bowl it's like don't get ahead of yourself but you know still if you do, if you're gonna play in the cotton bowl then you got you got to win these type of games and i i think that 
I think they'll win. I just, yeah, 16's kind of a shady spread. I can see where you're at on that. Have no feel for the Big 12. I, it's the most <laughs> random. I mean, I better start getting one because UCF's headed there. But as of now, it's like I don't, I'm don't. i not surprised by any results. So Baylor, TCU, rooting for the Frogs. I mean. They're I'm, wearing the all-whites. Uh, I, 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 I hate when this happens and I make a pick. And then I see the uniform combination. Oh, it matters. That would have that would have made me think twice about it. They're going all white. It looks. You should look this up when we go to break. It looks so crispy on the frogs. Them. Yeah. Oh man. So they're gonna look. They're gonna look good. But Baylor is. Uh, Baylor's just one of those teams. And then UCLA USC. I'm telling you, this will be the most fun game of the day. Make sure you're in front of a TV for this one. They're going to score a million points in this game. The battle of SoCal, Chip Kelly versus Lincoln Riley. This could be the most hyped-up version of that matchup since Josh Rosen versus Sam Darnold. I think it is. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I haven't been this excited about a UCLA-USC yeah. matchup since that exact game you're talking about. I don't know if I'm fired up enough. Like, that matchup, because everybody had those guys pegged as top-tier quarterbacks, the sick thing is, I remember coming away like, I think I like Rosen more. Oh, my like, God. I said the same thing. I said the exact same thing. I'm like, this guy's good. He's got a little Aaron Rodgers in yeah, him. He, he made some throws, but he was way too <laughs> cocky, and Nick called up to him. And he's still bouncing around as a backup in the league, I believe. But, man. Yeah. I'll give you my likes real quick. Oh, yeah. I got go. those li- that list. I have Bengals minus four on the road at Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh's luck has come to an end. I think the Bengals win that game going away. Yeah. But, well, but, but, but uh, this is what I think. No chase. I'm Still not bothers as, me. Obviously, I'm less confident in these than I am in those that get the lock status. And, yeah, without chase. But the biggest reason is I just have so much respect for the Steelers at home as underdogs. They've had a lot of success over the years backing that, so I back off a little bit going overboard, but Bengals minus four, I think they'll be able to cover that. Texans plus three will be the biggest. That'll be the biggest smart guy, sharp guy bet of the week. I'm telling you, but I can't put my hard-earned dollars on the Texans anymore. I'm all good on that, and I'll let somebody else have that fun. Lions plus three, I think, is a similar type of category. It's less ugly because they're not they're at least they have some life to them. Mm-hmm. But Giants Lions, you know, at the very least, is going to be a close game. Yeah. So I would take the underdog in that game, no matter who the underdog was. It just happens to be the Lions. I'm a little concerned about it. Like I said yesterday, Amon Ross St. Brown expect him to get work. Uh, also expect Swift and Jamal Williams to do some things, but hopefully, it's still a game the Giants can win. I, I feel like Washington really made a statement by doing what they did to Philly. I don't see how they could stop momentum and lose to a team like the Texans. Like They're not going to overlook them. In fact, I think they're getting Chase Young back. But it is a Washington franchise that it seems to get in its own way quite a bit. But I don't know. I'm like low-key concerned about how the Commanders looked last week, so there's no way they're they're letting up in my eyes against Houston. Ron Rivera and Terry McLaurin and Chase Young vibes, they're... They're fired up right now. And Heineke. I like the Ravens minus 13. I think they're going to blow out Carolina. Yeah. And uh, Oregon plus two is interesting. I think I saw some news that Bo Nix might be a little banged up. You'd have to make sure he plays before you bet that because he's the reason I would take Oregon because he's playing out of his mind right now. And then two sneaky lines to look at. I don't really care about watching these games, so I I just left them off. But Maryland plus 27.5 going up against Ohio State, and yeah. then Illinois plus 17.5 going up against Michigan. Those two teams, 
consistently year by year, look ahead the week before when the, uh, they're about to play each other. So if you're going to play those games, play both of them. You'll either you'll at least get one right. You might get both right, but that would be the way to play that is to go big underdogs for Maryland, big underdog for Illinois and a Michigan-Ohio State fade. And I feel like the Buckeyes have been kind of starting slow the last couple weeks in the first half. And didn't they lose a big-time running back of theirs? So, I mean, you know, they'll just next man up it. Probably. Marvin Harrison Jr. has been balling out. I mean, yes, I'm starting yes. to buy stock in him. He's got the name. Obviously. Oh, he definitely has the name. We zone out next. <laughs>